Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Pardon Will Podcast. I'm your host, David Lilly, and uh, coming back with you for episode 51. Um, this week I have an amazing guest. He's a returning guest. I've had him before. Um, he's a prolific, and I'm using the word prolific on purpose, um, prolific writer. Um, uh, wrote novels, uh, VWV, stands for Werewolves, Vampires, and Witches, uh, including the Royal Green series, which uh, actually ha- I forgot to bring those. I was going to show you the physical copy. Um, he's a good friend of mine, also a libertarian. So we're going to have a good time talking about, uh, the books and, uh, and writing and all that stuff. Cause you guys know, I love to write. Um, so without further ado, my guest this week is Mr. Jack Casey. Jack, how you doing, man? <laughs> good, good. How you like good prolific? That's not bad. I right? love it. Is that okay? I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you should be. Cause I don't give that out to everybody. Um, I appreciate it. Just ninety percent <laughs> of my guests are prolific. <laughs> the, that one ten, that ten percent. I mean, that's like one person, so it's fine. <laughs> Man, so <clears throat> the last time we were on, I had you last fall, um, and it was audio only. Yeah. It was the first time we're doing video, um, and that was actually one of my favorite podcasts. We actually got pretty deep when it came to writing because. Um, I don't know if everybody knows this from my podcast. I, I enjoy writing. We've talked about this uh, on numerous occasions about writing in the imagination, how that worked. Um, that podcast was a blast. And uh, a lot of people enjoyed it because we dipped into like the idea of epiphany and serendipity and the imagination. Where do these cool ideas come from? Um, and so I was sitting on that and I was like, well, when the first questions, oh, should let me let you introduce yourself. How about that? Why don't you, before I go, hey, first question, Jack, shut up. Hold on. First question. No, (laughs) Jack, tell people, uh, tell people about yourself. Oh man, where to begin? I guess, uh, yeah, an author, uh, now published, but I've been writing and telling stories my whole life. I finally, after many years, um, you know, you go through cycles of, of writing stuff and, and trying to figure out whether or not you're ready to publish or do any of that. And I finally had a story that I finished, spent years on, and was like, all right, I'm going for it. I'm doing yeah, yeah. it. So I, I did it. I did the thing. I uh, I published um, a few years ago, and uh, and I'm writing more and working on more series. Um, and, and interestingly, in, in my writing process, uh, I was kind of exploring a lot of my own views and my own thoughts about life and its meaning and spiritual journeys and political, philosophical questions, too. Yeah. And uh, and that came out through the characters and their struggles as well, trying to find their um, their place in the world, you know, and in the reality. And so I wrote and published the Royal Green series. Um, and then after I did that, I just wanted to have some fun fucking around. And um, and so I, I started uh, writing a political satire series that that also dabbles with the supernatural and, yeah. and other fun stuff. So that so then I was writing kind of more um explicitly to 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 just uh, get weird and have fun with it and so now i've got that series going and there's other ones i want to do and start um there's more books i can write in in both of the ones i have right now so um so yeah i'm um i'm looking forward to to doing more but i also want to uh i'm also involved in libertarian circles as as you were mentioning before unfortunately uh, yeah for better or worse yeah i'm just going yeah i I, I basically discovered Twitter a year ago. Oh, no. And, 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 <laughs> me too, yeah, it, Me too. Right, right. Yeah. And it actively made me worse, but also <laughs> um, 
in uh yeah in 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 fun ways because i've i've previously been on social media on and off i'll delete them every couple of years and kind you kinda of need to um, start fresh and yeah. um and then uh I, I got on twitter and twitter's a lot twitter's a lot meaner twitter's a, a different animal and so it kind of sharpened me up a bit i think i, I needed the uh the the training the practice to to you know jump into that arena and it's been (laughs) it's 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 a rough scene man it's rough around the edges um and if you don't have your uh your wits about you um you can fall into a lot of traps i mean the idea of a troll is the most pronounced on the idea of twitter um trolls galore uh, and if you can't, here's the thing about Twitter, and this is fun for like a writer. I, I, I have a hard time claiming writer, um, uh, whereas in you can't, but when it comes to like writing, it's hard to express, uh, what, what you're thinking and, and whatever small characters. And so when right. I read, I have a hard time. So I think I ran into this. I ran into an argument. I mean, this is not the question I had. We'll get back to that side rant about Twitter real quick. I got into um, a small argument recently, like a few weeks ago, and uh, the person I was arguing with, it took me a minute because I, I said something and then went back and forth, and then this other person, other person, the person, the person, person jumped in and like, uh, uh, I mean, are what do you think? And I was like, this is a dumb question, and I had to step back and I was like, well, the profile pic is obviously a cartoon, so it doesn't matter, but <laughs> but the tag was. And I almost responded like seriously, like, "Well, here's what I'm thinking," but the, but their actual tag was at dumb American, like dumb underscore American, which you can if you're listening right, you can go in there and follow them. And uh, I stepped back and I was like, "Oh, this is a troll." And so I I pulled back <laughs> and I was like, "Something something." And I replied, "You're at," and they were like, "Well, you changed the subject." And I was like, "I don't even think I'm gonna waste my time." So I was like, "Yep, sure did, cool, and done." But that was the thing about Twitter is like you never. Like, it's one of those things where, genuinely, yeah. I'm a genuine person, so when you interact with me, you're going to get me, um, but but when it comes to, like, trolls on the internet where they're just trying to poke fun, and have, you're like, how much time do I waste with this? Because you never know if you're having a serious, con- it's not like a podcast, like me and you right now, you never know when you're having a serious conversation, so it's a lot of, there's this, <laughs> there's this biblical, yeah. sc- there's this biblical scripture, um, and uh, in the process, basically, the, the scripture is, never cast your pearls before swine. Which means you never take <laughs> right. something valuable you have, like jewelry, and throw it into a pig pen because pigs eat everything. They don't think about what's valuable. They, they can't decipher between jewels and garbage. See, those that's a troll. So um, biblically, never cast the things you're trying to – it's basically just a, a concept of being like, well, just make sure you know who you're talking to because when you cast pearls before swine, you're wasting the things that you're putting out there. Most of the time, it's your time. You're wasting your time. Um, but yeah, I mean, Twitter's yeah. rough. Uh, Correctly assessing like who you're dealing with, and and then yeah, yeah that energy opportunity cost. You're like, I yeah, yeah. like because there's times where like you you know you, you get into a Twitter spat or you get into a thing and you're, you're maybe you're looking for like a, a fight or something. But then there's times where you're like, all right, even when you've technically won, technically, you, or or you, you feel really like you're win? winning, you're also like, I'm no, I'm right, I know I'm right, but you're also like, how much time did I lose doing this, and what was like the actual net gain other yeah. than like maybe you know slight pride thing or something uh no, i think i think when, even yeah, if you're if winning you're, you're losing you're always right, losing right always right losing. and if anything i've learned that if you're not having if, if you're angry while tweeting yeah 
you've already lost. If That's you're it. laughing and having fun, even while arguing, because you're just kind of poking back and, yeah, yeah. and you know, yeah. It, if you're not laughing while using Twitter and tweeting or, or, you know, then, then you've already lost. So yeah, I'm yeah. trying to keep that in mind too, to have fun with it, <laughs> not let it get to you. you know? <laughs> it is, yeah. it is a bit of a playground. Um, and it's, it's hard to take anything seriously on that. Um, yeah. Uh, I uh I again I I I've and I said this on my last podcast where I'm I'm starting to take the only, I'm starting to actually participate on Twitter, which I never did till about a year ago. I started to kind of yeah. feel it out. Um because I was like, well, this is a great place to meet guests for the podcast and and kind of build up a little bit of a community and 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 I've noticed I was like, well, um it's so fast paced and I'm, I'm so conscious being like a, a writer, like you, like when I, when I see a tweet, dude, this happened to me the other day and I was like, Oh, I have a great response. And I was like, I was like, well, no, no, that's not the right way to word it. How do I, how do I bring sarcasm in? And this is like a writer's thing. Like how do I, yeah. how do I say the thing that I want perfectly? And so I thought about this tweet in response and i was like well this would be the word no let me change it and then i change it and then i was like all right and send and then i realized i was replying to a tweet that was like three days old and i was like oh no one's ever gonna see this like i wasted <laughs> the time because i was on like a for you instead of the following so i didn't even know i didn't even pay attention like when this i was responding to a tweet that was days old with some with with a very elaborate concept to being like well here's a good explanation and that's when i was like not only i'm not even in an argument and i'm wasting my time um, but just not paying attention to to what I was supposed to be doing. But do you do you think about that? You, you're a writer, like so. Yeah. When you tweet, do you yeah. do you do the same thing I do, where you're like, I wrote this out. You're like, well, I could probably reword that with less. Yeah, words. type, retype. Yeah, delete. Yeah. Is yeah, that bad? It, That's not a bad thing. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell if it's because right, like you and I, because especially if we're writing something we may publish, like mm-hmm. yeah, you you spend. I mean, you go through dozens of ed- edits and re-edit i mean that it, it on the plus side right w- when you write and publish stuff it, it's work that you've worked on long enough that it is you at your best wording and phrasing because you've spent so much time on it whereas twitter right it's so fast paced it's like a lot of it's firing from the hip and so you're you know you get pretty good at it. like i can be pretty <laughs> quick you know witted on some stuff and come up with some smart things but right all can take is one word off or not realizing that okay if you phrase it this way it won't come across that you're kidding or not you know and like the the yeah the, it's it's much quicker pace which can be fun and thrilling yeah. but also like uh you know uh, but i do like that the twitter brevity has forced me to be more efficient with my wording because yeah. uh, you know in my facebook days i would post these walls of text with my thoughts and feelings and and half of them wouldn't be as well thought out because because i wasn't being forced to condense what i was saying and making my point so there is that benefit yeah it, it's helped me be uh you know um to uh i guess more accurate more efficient with what yeah. i'm saying more concise say, you know i thought about the yeah, same concise. thing um it also put me on my heels a little bit more of being like uh how would um the, the one of the cool things about the twitter what we're talking about was um instead of like when you're alone writing and you're like well this is this is what i would say and this is this it really puts you in circumstances where you would write something that you normally wouldn't have phrased it that way to in response to something that you didn't think of um um that's a that's a weird way actually me wording that was terrible um i could have said that totally different i think i get what you're saying like like because you're reacting to another exactly 
it's multiple minds going on instead yeah. of just a kind of solo thoughts. Yeah. So when you're having, when you're writing a conversation yeah. out between two characters that you know, and you know what they're mean, um, Twitter actually puts in that idea that, that, that uh, I'm not quite that, that misunderstanding feel of being like trying to feel someone else out. And that's actually made me rethink about how uh, my characters, no one's read my characters because I'm out there, but, but um, how they interact with each bit. other and that misunderstanding feel um, it's something yeah. I never paid attention to until Twitter. So I had, <clears throat> I had this weird tweet, and I think I brought this up in the podcast. It was not long ago. It was, uh, so I live in New York, and uh, Governor, this was like a mm, two months ago. Um, Kathy Holchel posted like something. She was at some event, and uh, people were around. She took a picture with a group of people, and she was talking about like whatever government thinks she loves government so more government basically it was a tweet like hey we like more government and more government should be involved and here's all my friends involved with it and i in response because i live in new york i was like this is fun so i just posted not a mask in sight shameful right and i was like this is sarcastic and everyone's (laughs) gonna know this right because no liberal's gonna call out their own um so i thought that was (laughs) phenomenal and then I had a New York human rights, civil rights uh, thing retweet it. And I was like, oh, no, they totally <laughs> thought I was being serious. And so you're like, um, no, I'm not one of you. Stop. No, no, no. But I just wrote, I was like, this is great. So either I'm doing something, I, I'm either doing it really well. You're accidentally or trolling. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm doing this awful. Like, I'm, there's no middle ground. You're either really good at Twitter or you're so yeah, bad at it. It's a double edged sword. You're right. You hope that the, the as you get better at it, you hope that the amount of times you nail it and get smart yeah. with it, that it makes up for any blunders here, or there. Cause I've definitely had my blunders where oh, I'm like, man. Oh, I've okay. Had so many few tweets to lead or rethink. Yeah. But, but, but it is great when you land it and, and people get it and it, it, you got to pay out. And, and, and like, I think we we're saying before, it's funny how <laughs> we're talking about like crafting tweets, right? Like yeah. I'll sit there and I'm at work and I'll retype something five times. Cause I'm like, I just want to make sure it's perfect or whatever. And I send it and then it gets like, two likes and then yeah. and then randomly late at night i'll just be like you know what fuck it and i fire off like the dumbest just spur of the moment tweet thought and that's the one that everyone decides to notice yeah. like share and it blows up and, the, and then i'm like wait i didn't actually mean it quite like that you that's know not... or, or you know I, like that's happening of course this is the one right so many times <laughs> yeah. man and the worst part is of i've actually retweeted and one of them, I made this joke, and this is, no one even cares about this. Uh, I was, uh, for like a minute there, I was thinking about writing jokes. Like, I liked, a lot of my writing is, is funny in comedy, so I was like, I, let me use Twitter to write jokes. And so um, I started just writing, like, basically, like, one-liners, like, um, a, a comedian's one-liners uh, on there. And I wrote one, I wrote one about Gordon Ramsay. I was like, well, you know, um, it would be cool. I think it's my pinned tweet. And I, I uh, actually tweeted to Gordon. I was like, can we get a um, where you go around to cruise ships and you critique the restaurants on cruise ships and we can call it Kitchen Night Maritime um, instead of Kitchen Nightmares? And I thought that was the most funny thing ever. <laughs> and people were like, that's funny. And so I was like, I got another one. So there's this show called, you ever heard of the show called Catfish? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so and me being old school because I'm, I'm an idiot, um, I was like, I'm going to tweet at them. So I tweet at the, the main people with the show Catfish, which is all about like finding people who are catfishing people online. And right, it's a right, whole right. MTV show. And I tweet them. And I was like, you guys need to add a foodie element um, and or motorcycle cops and then call it uh, Catfish and Chips. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I was like, this is gold. Tweet it. Nothing. And I was like, screw this. <laughs> retweet. Fine 
Um, yeah. You guys are passing I'm on gold. you get away with this. Nothing. Yeah, you need just to see this. into yeah. the ether. So not only did I tweet it and then I retweet, I, I brought it up on the podcast so I can get a freaking laugh out of somebody. Thank you, Jack, for laughing. Because I thought it can that be was... demoralizing. It can be demoralizing it when really you're, you think you got a banger. And but you're right. Half of it's the algorithm game. It you don't really even is. know how much people are seeing it, or, or yeah. I mean, there's a lot of just random chaos too really in there. Is. So, you know what you do? You just save it, and then you just do a full. Uh, fresh tweet of the same joke like six months from now and suddenly everyone will notice it I'm sure well that's my thing i was like well i'm just gonna and then yeah. i started i figured out there's the way we can like well i said this funny thing and then when i come across a tweet that's somewhat and re- has some relevance to that tweet we'll just retweet into the comments just quote tweet, yeah <laughs> this joke go. will land i swear to god this joke will land someone someone is old enough yeah. to remember chips the motorcycle cops show um, someone's gonna remember this, and <laughs> I think that's where I got lost, is no one knows about the the show chips. But yeah, it. I mean, that's no. Even I'm I'm too young to know that show. But either way, man, um, <laughs> it was a long rant. I really just wanted to throw that joke. I really spent time. Like I was literally sitting there on the couch, being like, "How do I word this? Chips. What's a good? What goes with catfish? Chips. Well, that would be like a food thing, and." Well, the show chips, dude. It, I spent, I literally wasted an hour of my time trying to come up with a joke, <laughs> yeah. and no one will like it. Anyway, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Well, Some... well, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you a question, but go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Good. Yeah. All right, man. I think I asked you this last time, but I was thinking about this recently. Um, with all of the stuff out there, all writing and stuff, uh, creating a this is this is a weird question i didn't think about wording this question properly so this is going to be this is going to be a little one of those garbage tweets that i'm probably should reword it bring it on yeah i'm ready you uh (laughs) twitter's trained me (laughs) for real um you've been you've been writing for um a decent long time and and we talked about the last time you were on the podcast epiphanies and where you got that idea um and this is a question I was thinking about for myself. Like, when did, when did, when do you think, not when you were like, I'm going to start writing. When did you think that, that this is, and this leads to another question. That's why I'm asking it. Writing is, is my thing. When did that moment hit you? Do you know that moment? Like it, it could have been after your first book, could have been after like all of your books. And then finally, like yesterday you were like, oh, I am, this is my thing. When, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I, yeah, the one answer, pardon me, wants to say, like, I always knew because, like, seriously, as a kid, I would always just be having these stories going and I would be, and I was writing pretty young. Like, I was writing stories at like 10, 11. I mean, I was definitely writing for a long time and I knew I loved doing it and creating stories. But, you know, I will say, because I also wanted to get into film when I was in school and I took film classes and stuff, but I never went beyond that, you know, with college or anything. I, I, I didn't even. I didn't finish college. So I, um, uh, you know, and yeah, and writing and and stories, you know, like that, that's definitely what I want to do. But there, you know, there is a distinct moment in my life where I got to see, um, uh, like an audience react positively to something I had done. Um, and it, I, it was in middle school where we were, we, you know, had a film assignment, like, um, make like a music video basically of some kind. And, um, and it was uh it was green day i chose green days like time of your life yeah, yeah. Uh, okay one. yeah and uh, it was this very simple video it was just it was just uh you know the music's going it was me and some friends and the whole thing was just one of us had an apple and took a bite out of it and and tossed it 
And then the next person would catch the apple, like walking and take another bite out of it and join the other person walking. And it ended up being where like, you know, four or five friends end up walking together side by side and they're going somewhere and they've each like tossed and had, had a bite of this apple basically. And then they go down to the beach and they throw the apple core into the ocean. And I, it was so simple a concept, but something about the way it was set to the music and just how it like, you know, it, it really worked and landed. And, and so they showed these, you know, these, these, um, these student made things at this uh, thing for the parents, you know, where there was an audience and, and mine, they saved mine for last. And I remember it, it, it played. And when it hit the credits, they stood and cheered. Really? I mean, it was like a standing over, like it was that feeling of like, Oh wow. This, this little idea I had actually like you could, you could feel when people know. weren't just clapping out of like politeness, but they were like, that was awesome. Well yeah. done. You know, yeah. you're like, a sixth grader and you just did something that was, you know, you know, and it's such a simple thing like that, but that's definitely a distinct moment where I, I felt the, the joy of knowing people were, were really excited by something I'd made to produce. And so translate that to books too, even now I'm like, you know, every artist is like, no matter how much they tried not to be or show it, we're all so self-conscious about our work or at least we have we have bouts of it you're right there's times we feel really confident about it like we'll refresh ourselves and be like no no no, this is good this is good and then but we're always hoping there's there's positive feedback and i'll say this to anyone listening or watching never underestimate how much good you do telling any artist that you like their work i mean they will play it cool but seriously it 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 can um it can make someone's entire day if they just hear one thing like hey this was cool or this one chapter this one scene or this one idea um and so, yeah, there's been moments like that where I, I knew not only that I wanted to do something, but that maybe I can make something that people generally enjoyed and not, not just for myself, you know? And, um, and, uh, and yeah, it, and, and tying into everything else, like with Twitter and the rest, like, I mean, part of what we're trying to do is communicate things clearly. So whether it's in writing and fiction or just tweeting and being in social media world, um, and, you know, and I have my own uh, political goals and interests, but even those are, are secondary to writing. I think I, I, the only reason I got dragged into politics was because, um, you know, as I'd write about <laughs> ideas that dealt with human liberty and, and finding your individual freedom and your role in life, those tied into the, the political sphere. And also because, right, the more the government and society has continued to encroach on my own life and freedoms and ability to make a living and all this stuff, like, it, it kind of dragged me into it. So even with all the political stuff, it's almost, it, it's in some ways, I guess it's a feedback loop. Like I'm, I want to write stories um, that inspire people to better cope with and deal with the real world too. Right. It's kind of an escapism, but also like lessons you take with you from it yeah. um, and just tell good stories, you know, entertaining ones. And so, uh, but then also me trying to get involved in some political spheres and stuff has been me trying to like in my own way contribute to the real world with something right and i, I still don't i feel like my place is to write and do that even though i'll try to dabble in giving my opinions on twitter or getting getting in the middle of other people's fights and feuds and trying to like solve stuff so i i apply myself in various ways but i think i'm always i've always been happiest when i'm just creating a story because you know that that's i, I think where I know for me, stories moved me yeah. and made me want to be, a, a, you know, a better person or try to be more like certain characters, you know? There's this, um, 
Oh my God, I'm trying to think of the author. Absolutely. There's um. Th- this is this is something I think about with writing a lot because he was an author. Uh, I want to say it's G.K. Chesterton, but I might be wrong. It might be like Spurgeon. <clears throat> and he talks about the idea of truth. Basically, this is a bit of a side rant, but I think I know what you're talking about, especially when it comes to like politics and and authoring and, and using the artistic idea. Because when I read when I read uh, WVW. I knew where you came from, so I knew what you were mimicking. But it also spoke; yeah. uh, it spoke a little bit. So it's it's a story and narrative. Just so everyone listening, you wrote this novel. Um, and I don't know when you wrote it. I would assume it was around COVID, right? Am I yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah, it was a. It was twenty. I wrote it October, November of twenty twenty one. So like a year after. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I finally wrote. It. I uh so and, and then I got and I I read it and I was just telling a friend about this because I was telling you know, I was having you on the podcast and and I was explaining the the premise to him and he was like oh that's a really cool idea and I was like but see that's see that's so the I can can I spoil alert some of it oh yeah is that cool yeah, yeah that's so like, anybody yeah, listening yeah. so and I was this is my breakdown it was a very simple breakdown because I was trying to do it like a Twitter I was trying to break it down as fast as possible and I was like well there's different factions and in, in, in the book that you broke down and I thought this was this was wonderful the way you did it because I love that stuff werewolves vampires witches this is cool but but the way you uh took like vampires are like well they feel political they're they're always lying to you. They're seducing you. They're they're manipulating you, trying to get you in a dark corner. Like they're always the way that. And so the werewolves were masculine and and very powerful in the way they worked. And then the witches were always like potions and and in utilizing physical things to kind of get you to trick. And the way you link those up with being like uh, vampires are politicians, werewolves are the police state, and witches are uh, the pharmaceutical cartel. And yep. it was like, well, this is yep. super easy to regurgitate. Like it was something yep. I could understand. And you could have took that without being libertarian. You could be non-political. And I explained this to my buddy and he was like, that's actually a really cool analogy. And I was like, this is why it's such a good book because it took something that was uh, a fantasy. It was, uh, it was definitely something outside the spectrum of being like, well, here's a political breakdown of what happened during COVID, but took it into a narrative right. of something that you could almost feel um that's why i love that book so much is because it wasn't it wasn't as boring as being like oh well here's where the politicians <laughs> went wrong and then they signed on right. with the co <laughs> with the with the farm pharmacologicals and then pfizer did this and it was like no here's a cool narrative of being like right i know you see the world this is we're, we're moving too quickly through this conversation because i want to get to this but um i know you see the world one way and it's all starting to look like fiction and so now as a writer you went okay this world looks crazy let me show you what it let me show you the crazy part of what it looks like for real and it was such a good allegory it, allegory i think is the word i was going for yeah this is why yeah, i'm yeah. bad at twitter dude this it is why i'm terrible asking, yeah Symbols it was a, representing yeah whatever was, exactly <laughs> but it was so simply yeah. put that anybody could read that and they may not even look to the political side of it and just read it like a good book because that's what what a good book so this is, goes back to where i was about to say and i think it was Chester, chesterton and he says he talks about the uh the idea of, of speaking to someone with truth and trying to get them to understand something god i'm gonna uh, whoever's listening to this they're like that's not chesterton um but he was uh, i'm trying <laughs> we'll fact check it later. i've just i've read a ton of authors <laughs> other than you jack i promise uh i've read a ton of other people that um my whole bookshelf that's is probably good it's that's one of these good, books but... over here 
but he basically as much as I would like to be the only one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he's he's specifically talking about uh, religious beliefs and, and philosophy, and he says um, theology tries to teach you truth by knocking on the door. He goes, but art goes through the side and and shines through the stained glass windows, trying to bring light into the church. Basically, he's using a church and uh, uh, I like that a, yeah. an allegory for you, like you not yeah. quite understanding truth and you're not willing to to have to go through opening the door. But art will will peer its way through. The light will come through the stained glass windows and shine in, into your life, regardless of whether you open the door or not. And so, basically, his whole point was. Truth, if if art is done well, truth will will end up inside you. Inside you, that sounds weird. But you'll understand <laughs> truth. You'll get see get tr- that truth up in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear it. Uh, it penetrates the stained glass. Way. But you know what I'm saying. Um, tr- truth will get to you through art easier. It, it's easier for truth to get to you through art than it is through just like theological yes. and philosophical book. Like go to college and you'll understand what real morality is. It was like no, no, no. Art actually does the work for you. And you start to understand, and that was my uh, full circle. That was my whole point of your book, like the COVID thing, and and like politicians, like well, I don't know. I mean, we've kind of been relied on aspirin for quite some time, but your book breaks it down to be like, now that you've seen what the the fantasy is, do you not see how with this links and how it makes even our 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 non-fiction world looks stranger than fiction like does this not seem something weird it's like am i writing fiction i mean just because it's vampires and werewolves and witches you know are you not being ruled over by monsters are they not are monsters not running the world right now are they not poisoning you every chance they get in in your mind and in your body too it's like yeah no thank you thank you i i'm glad you can appreciate what i was going for and and why I've chosen this, because like I said, as much as I have my political and, and views, sort of the meaning or point of all the stuff I'm trying to tell, I also recognize that for, for a lot of people in our political spheres, you know, the, for a lot of them, it, it's like they're trying to beat people over the head with the equivalent of like the libertarian Bible, right? They're, they're libertarian Bible thumping that I can't tell you how refreshing is how many libertarians will read the same econ books and nonfiction stuff by the same five authors who they already agree with yeah. over and over and they will deal and they'll tell themselves if i just give them my you know if i just give my socials friends or my whatever friends this book and and lecture them if they the would right just way, read thomas soil uh, soul right soul, if soul. they would just right if they would and it's like i'm I, exactly because I, I wasn't moved as much by those things yeah, i was moved by either. stories me it's either. through fiction and like there's something to be said about when you emotionally connect with characters who are in scenarios that are like, <clears throat> you know, hence why I think the, you know, if we're treating politics like a religion here in that sense. Um, Which we should, because it pretty much is. Let's be honest. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's like sometimes the parables are what make the point more than the stringent laws of, yeah. of here's what you can do, here's what you can't. Right. You can talk to you about the, the nap violations all day, you know, the, the non-aggression principle, you know, the concept of not initiating force. You, you can talk about the logic of why we're right. But just like these Twitter fights, like sometimes even when you're right. Proving you're right doesn't actually like <laughs> it doesn't achieve what you're actually wanting to do, which is for someone to not only understand what you're talking about, but but want to understand, want to be invested in, yeah. in what what the outcome is and 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 it's and it's not even that i'm going to use the stories to explicitly like i mean wvw is me more consciously right kind of um 
using the symbols for to kind of convey our ideas in a way that was more fun and interesting yeah. and and hopefully funny and, and also offensive it's meant it was to fun and offensive. yeah no it was great it, <laughs> it had all the things but, but yeah. yeah like here i'm gonna i'm gonna trigger everyone at once including myself a bit yeah and get us all talking laughing but also getting the ideas and and um and, and in any story i write and especially with like the royal green series like my number one focus was i want to tell a story with believable characters and and a good story that like just makes you feel things and think things and yeah. and especially because my focus has usually been individual liberation and in, in the, the soul journey you know like yeah, that's yeah. as much what my stories are usually about and so heck even that as you saw there's a lot of like people questioning their you know their sexuality stuff there's a lot of like like those lines too of like more personal things going out the characters that can translate to the bigger picture because you know it, i think too as human beings like we try to care about the macro scale of of stuff going on but it can feel overwhelming um to think about these giant forces moving in the in these right the world being run by monsters but sometimes even just on an individual personal level in your own life there's there's things you can do to free yourself more or to right have have those epiphanies that help you get through life and have a fighting chance against you know the, the monster system so um so this is, yeah that, that's a lot of i'm glad you could see the different <laughs> layers to that there that that I was going for uh, no I, I i caught on to it and i think here's here's why i think we're me and you were in trouble not in trouble we're not like <laughs> oh we did something wrong where i think our our uh, what we're trying to do because i mean regardless of whether anyone listens if you've listened to this podcast hopefully you know i'm libertarian i don't talk a lot about it but i'm libertarian at the same same time and um i have a lot of Dude, let's be honest. There's like every every libertarian I know has their own podcast, right? <laughs> like they all have their own podcast, <laughs> and uh, and I pay attention to them, and they're always like, "Well, I have had this person who's running for this and this thing, and we're going to talk about policy and politics, and uh, we're going to talk about Australian economics and and ICE and and John Locke. We're going to talk about these things." It's like you guys never have any artists on. And, and, and the cool thing yeah. about, and this is one of my favorite. So when I started, uh, this is why it's important for me and you. This is, well, no, this is why we play an important part. One of the reasons why I try to, I space my libertarians out on my podcast on purpose. And one of the reasons why I try to do that is because they love talking policy. Like this will solve everything. And I'm like, I get that. And you can, you can lay that textbook out and be like, A, B, C, and D equals B. For sure. I totally agree. You're never going to convince anybody because it has, it's such a grandiose scale that most people are not looking at the world and, and how do we solve the world in a general function? They're trying, how do I solve my life? Like that's what people yeah. are trying to do. And that's the artist's job. The thing about libertarians where they fail, this personally, where they fail is there's not enough artists who do this. They're, they're doing it. They just don't know that they're maybe they're libertarian. I don't know what they're trying to do, but very interesting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like they're they're yeah. clued in. What and I'll, here's here's a small story. So I didn't start. I eventually started reading nothing but theology. If you can't see this, but the bookshelf behind me is like literally theological uh, and philosophical, just books upon books. Upon. That's I didn't really read fiction a ton, but I didn't start reading theology until I read one fiction book, and that was C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters. Screw Tape Letters oh, yeah. blew my mind, um, and it was a fictional story that. And brought in all these theological concepts that weren't explained well in a in a theology book. 
He took these as a narrative of, of relating them not to like, here's how Satan's destroying the world. Going, here's how personal demons affect personal life and how you struggle with this and how it how it expands how you think about how you think about the world around you how you deal with day to day where are your weaknesses out and and he and someone asked him later on in his life in an interview they said you've written all these books narnia you've written all these mere christianity you've written all these christian books and then you've written all all this other you've written a ton right what was the most difficult thing to get through and he he says it was screw tape because I had to put myself in shoes that I was never in, but it, it expanded the, like his pure view of being like, I put myself in a position I would never thought I would have been in. And it was difficult to write. And I think it might be his best writing because it was so outside of here's Narnia and here's an allegory of, of, you know, Christian and here's a theological book and here's the great divide where it's kind of a, a thing. Yeah. He, he had to do something different. And I think that's, Long story short, I think libertarians have a hard time putting themselves into any other view other than if we just get this policy, we get this person, if we just get people to notice libertarianism, then then all of a sudden we'll get libertarians and to, to flourish and be like, well, what if, hear me out, libertarians, what if you stop paying so much attention to politics and start paying more attention to art? And then maybe you might connect with people on an individual level. And then when that yes. individual strives and more and more and more and more, one of the things I would hope for this podcast is, is why I try not to have political people on and more artists is because there's so many libertarians who just want to talk politics. You ever met a libertarian who just want to right. talk about paintings? Right. Nope. Right. <laughs> right. Because they're I not concerned. They're, they're <laughs> have no idea. I, what I have met, though, is libertarians who want to talk about gardening and things like that. And that's I, if we leaned more into that, if it wasn't so much, well, how many chickens do you have? I got six chickens. You know why? Because the currency is falling apart. And you're like, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's just talk about raising chickens and the, the splendor that yeah. is before we talk about the, the uh, abolishing the Fed. I'm all right. for abolishing the Fed. Let's just, let's. Bring it back There's in. other ways. Yes. Oh, my God. No, you, you nailed let's, it. I, let's go through the stained glass window with... instead of beating down <laughs> yeah. the door. Like, that's my point is, like, we can do this. Or as, I, or as I sometimes will, will sort of pseudo quote Hamlet and say, uh, you know, there are more things in heaven and earth libertarians than our philosophy. Yeah. Like, there are other things to winning this war. And it's not just being right about exactly politics it's like there's exactly it, yeah and, and like you said the art i mean it would say politics is downstream of culture like mm -hmm. how is he going to affect the culture unless you're you know there's obviously other ways to connect people but right the arts is a thing i mean you know the the this the psychopaths running the arts right now <laughs> are there's a reason why they're winning because they they found a way to tell stories that made their ideas seem like a great idea exactly and and they use their propaganda to to their their art as explicitly propaganda to try and, and get people to do that. And um and there's a lot of people who will try to counter that message, but sometimes they're so focused on the political message, they're missing what makes a story good or interesting or fun or the characters feel real. You know, there's there's yeah. authors who've written fiction that has gotten the point across as far as what they were trying to say, but but maybe was leaving something missing as far as like a emotional connection to the ideas themselves or the, the characters in the, you know there, there's something to be said about 
like focus on on good art on creating art that's authentic and real to you right from the artist's heart and soul um and like you said about c.s lewis challenging himself that's what what i think when people have read the royal green series um they they say that what they liked about it was that it wasn't it didn't feel like it was just hey here's the libertarians versus the authoritarians and look how they're always right and look how these guys are always wrong it's like because when i started writing it i was a much more authoritarian person i was like a like a right-wing pro-war hawkish neocon i was i was i was i was like i was like yeah I, i was I sucked, and so I—I <laughs> I don't think I, you sucked. I think I think it was part of it. But that's why I love. Well, when it. I was young, I was young. I—I I, I was young. I was scared Chop by nine eleven. Yeah. yeah, I was young. It, it was like, and as I as I I started the book series when I was seventeen, it was because I was starting to ask myself questions like, is this what I really want to believe? Is this is this really like what feels right to me? And so, in having the characters kind of grow and evolve, questioning themselves, challenging themselves, like like you know. Uh, like you were saying before, like trying to put yourself in the perspective of something else. At the time, I was an authoritarian trying to understand and empathize with libertarians. Yeah. I, I was trying to understand what they were talking about and why their ideas kept bugging me and why, why it kept poking at me and making me think about things differently. And in that process, I became more that way. I became more libertarian. I suddenly, by the end of the, the book series, it you know, I, I here I was, you know, Fight, fighting now for the people that I would have once considered my enemies, yeah. you know, when I was younger. And and that that was like a process of, of discovery of actually trying to challenge myself. So and even even with WBW, you see hints of that, too, where it's like <sighs> here I've got, you know, your, your good guy versus bad guys. But good guys are flawed. And also the villains, you you see the the sort of logic to their yeah. their thinking. Like there's a lot of turning the you know the the some of the you know the not so different you and I thing of like are are we not you know the, the path people can take towards one way of dealing with things in society and another you know there's you can see how someone could go from one in one direction or the other based on how <laughs> they decide to cope with or deal with um you know the problems they have and and what what they're being threatened with and so. I think I think yeah. that's that's uh, that that conundrum. There's a monster in each of us. Yeah, well, that's yeah. kind of the point. <laughs> like that conundrum <laughs> yeah. right there of being like, when when do we? Where's the threshold? Because even you brought um, uh, the monsters, werewolves, and I mean, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm about to say. Um, the even when I broke it down, being like, well, the va- vampires are you know uh, you know politicians, and werewolves are the police state, and witches are. But that's actually not probably what you meant it to be, because I mean, if uh, other than the idea of the Uniparty, you could you could have looked at it been like, well, the vampires are the Democrats and the the werewolves are the Republicans. But I didn't break it down that way. Um, I broke it down as um, different sects of a Uniparty, which I would have done libertarian yeah. style. But you could have read that as any part. Um, and even if I was to take a side, because when you read those books, you understand why they're. I mean, the vampires are pretty clear, but like we this is how we survive we we feed on the blood right and the other one i mean it, it makes food, sense like basically even yeah. the witches were like we we are obsolete unless we create this like this and it's it's a lot of survival the whole entire book is basically like here's uh four different factions and they're all trying to figure out survival except for there's one faction that can survive and and not have to kill all the others but because they want to kill them 
enslave them then then now we have a problem which is that's yep. kind of the libertarian point of being like right we wouldn't me and you uh whatever political party you have, we would be cool except for you're you're coming after me so right you're using the power of the state to that's push it. your way of life on me yeah and yeah. if you read like, into you it just like, that's it that's literally <laughs> yeah. it we would yeah. this whole utopia like the things would be better if we had more government no things would be better if we was limited we're like no things would be better if if me and you can have a conversation and stop trying to kill me, like, or use right. me, or take my money, <laughs> yeah. or move on to yeah. my property, or steal my vote with with whatever whatever this. Is. If you would just stop at, at at the my fence gate of my rights, just stop infringing on my rights, and then let's have a conversation of why I might actually sacrifice my own rights to help you. But this yeah. idea of you coming against me, and that's yeah. that's what I read. And, and hence, I may have and hence, read no, too that's much beautiful. into this. That's perfect. No, no, you nailed it. I, and, and hence, too, why I, I made a conscious choice to, in, in other supernatural stories like this, you know, the 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 werewolf and vampire stuff, the, uh, they often tell it where, like, it's something someone does to you, yeah. and you're permanently you're changed, victim. and there's no going back, so you're stuck. Yeah. And I, I decided to frame it as, what if every vampire, werewolf, and witch is basically a human being who had to consciously choose to use innocent blood yeah. to become that way, to gain their powers, to become. So hence, yeah. hence every monster has made a, 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 a choice, moral they choice, a, a right. victim. They actually had to yeah. choose this. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of them had to sort of like, you know, become it and that every one of them could stop. And that the, the, the risk is if they don't keep, you know, drinking human blood, they, their withdrawal process could kill them. So it's like, there's a, there's a risk you have to take to become human again, because it's like a drug addict too, yeah. right? Like once you're was, already, I didn't even pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. It is. It's, right. It's kind of an addiction thing. Like, oh, yeah. Right. And same with the government and people yeah. in that, those systems. Like point. if, if you're used to drinking tax money from people and it's like, yeah, if we end these systems, some, you know, some shit's going to yeah. change. And yeah. some of you won't have, the advantages and powers or whatever that you used to have as these monsters. But you know, that's, that's the price of restoring humanity, you know, like we got to get back to, to that. So yeah, there's so many ways you can kind of, I, well, that's, that's that the around. beauty of the story <laughs> is because it, it can expand so much. And this is why yeah. artists, um, well, let's get back to this. Let's take a break real quick. Is that cool? And then oh, we'll, yeah, get, sure. we'll yeah. get back to this. Cause I got some more questions and, uh, okay, we'll keep going. All right, let's do it. Hey guys, I don't know if you know this, um, but not only am I a podcaster, but I'm also an artist and a pretty decent one at that, if I might say so. And if you were like, you know what, I don't believe this guy, I don't think he's that good of an artist, um, you can go check out my work at etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. And then when you're convinced, you can also purchase all my artwork there. Now, it's not just, you know, original artwork. There's also prints and you can change sizes. So you're like, you know, I like this piece, but I don't want it too big. I want it this way or whatever. Um, you can go there and peruse my entire category that I have for sale. Um, and everything starting from like $5 and up all the way sky's the limit. So if you're like, you know what, um, not only do I want to judge this guy's voice and his attitude, I want to judge his art as well. You can go there. Um, and if you can't find that, you know, Etsy's not your thing. You can also go to my website, pardonwill.com. But um, if you're uh, wanting to check it out and want to buy a piece of art and you go to the Etsy, um, use promo code podcast. That'll get you 10% off. And that's my way of saying Thanks for listening, um, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you enjoy my art, um, and that is just for you. So if you're listening to the podcast, you want to check it out, go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. Use promo code podcast, get 10% off 
um, you won't regret it. All right, and we're back. All right, um, Jack, I got a question for you. Um, oh, we're talking about art and, and, and the political realm. Here's a question that I've been, and since you're, you're a friend of mine, and we've, we've talked extensively about the culture war and, and how art plays into this thing. I've been thinking about uh, how much I put the culture war on the forefront when it comes to art. So you write books. I, I paint a lot of paintings, and I do a podcast, stuff like that. Um, I've kept a lot of my uh, Twitter world, and I said this on the last podcast, my, my Twitter looks a lot different than me posting on Instagram. And uh, I kind of exposed myself a little bit here recently um, about being more politically engaged. And I think when it comes to the culture war, um, a lot of politicians, a lot of people that are into politics and libertarians, not a lot of them really participate in the culture war. Um, what's your thoughts on that one, man? Because I, I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, but I kind of want to get your thought on on how important it is that we participate as people who think like we we're let me write this tweet out and then edit and then rewrite it how how do you think the culture war affects us as artists in in the realm that you write do you do you find yourself more wanting to avoid like the trans transing the kids and drag drag shows and <laughs> and 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 vaccine covid vaccines and stuff like that do you find yourself more i mean you write a lot about this but you do it uh in the peripheral, like you, right? Instead of being like, "Well, yeah. here's here's what I think about." I mean, you might do that on Twitter, but your 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 art, your writing is a little bit more uh, allegorical. And so, my my yeah. thing is, when it comes to my art, I'm like, "Well, how do I portray a message without?" And I said this on my last podcast, um, without uh, alienating people. Do you think about that? The being involved in that culture thing. It's been a tough call. I think. Um... I think the more, let's say, awakened or red pilled or red uh, pill. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think you we know the government thinks see... that's a terrorist uh, experience. Yeah, thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're yeah, we're going to the gulag together. Yep. I'll see you there. <laughs> that's cool. I'll bring some. Yeah, books. <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll have fun. We'll uh, yeah. We'll, we'll be the ones entertaining the whole prison. We'll exactly. Be like, They'll yeah, really we'll like us become... at that point. Uh, we're yeah. all trapped <laughs> in the gulag. They'll be like, yeah. what was that book you wrote again? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, I think, I think we used the libertarian, a lot of libertarian thought has typically been to try to avoid culture wars because their thinking was always, well, we're here to get government out of deciding what people's cultural choice to be and blah, blah. But I think if the last few years have shown us anything and for much longer for those who paid attention earlier than, than that, I don't think people realize how much the government and it's corporate allies and the kind of whole, you know, the journalists and, and the media, like the whole octopus of that, because they are connected. A, that they're more connected than we thought. It's not just a clean line of here's a private company and here's the public sector. And that's just they never talk. And it's yeah. like, as we've seen, they are very closely connected and related. And I don't think we realize how much so much of the culture wars are pushed by the agitators in government and people like I think a lot of us assume that the cultural issues we talk about are, are organic, yeah. but, Oh, you know, people must want this. People, and I don't think they realize how much this, you know, the CIA and like all, all the operation mockingbird and, and MK Ultra, all that yeah, stuff, like yeah. the more conspiracy stuff you look into, you realize how much they've been deliberately trying to use 
in Hollywood too, of course, movies and stories and anything they can, the, the quote unquote journalists that are just mouthpieces for, you know, all that to, to push in the culture, something that will get you to subscribe to the government powers and policies they want. So I think, I think it's a mistake to, for, for libertarians or people like uh, in that, like us in that sphere, you know, truth seekers, if you will, to, to think that the culture and the culture wars are completely separate from fighting state power. I think it's actually, no, they, they're using the culture as a weapon to get you, get society to a place where they, they will then accept these government policies, these things. I mean, look what happened with the, the masking and vaccine, like, like they are trying to push in the culture things that would let you submit to certain, you know, rulership over you. So I think, um, I think it's good to recognize that and see where it's coming from and go, Oh yeah. So when a libertarian takes a stance against a, a certain part of the, the culture stuff, it, it's as much fighting, um, what they're really intending to do with it, which is right. Get, get more power over you. And so, yeah. and yeah. And I also think too, as human beings, it's good to have opinions that go beyond just your strict libertarian stances. Like, like, you know, the libertarian stance, right. Deals with non-aggression and getting the government and law out of our lives as much as possible. Right. To, to only deal with, you know, acts of violence or force and theft and all that. But as a human being, you're allowed to have right opinions about, what you think is going wrong in society too. And this idea, I think libertarians convince themselves that we're supposed to just stay silent on societal yeah. issues or other problems in the world. Cause like, well, it doesn't violate the nap or well, if it's a private company. It's like, that may be true from our legal standpoint, a sense that like, you wouldn't have the government intervene on certain issues, but that doesn't mean we have to be silent about something we find horrifying or wrong or right. The trans stuff being pushed on kids, you know, again, either a, from the angle of, the government is using the culture as a weapon to push agendas and accomplish things. So we got to fight that. And right. It's okay to have personal opinions on being like, yeah, this is fucked up. You yeah. technically have a right to do this or whatever, but like, fuck you and your crazy ideas, you know, like it's okay to have personal opinions on stuff, you know, it doesn't make you anti-libertarian. Yeah. Especially if we're not like, well, no, it does. You know, I, I saw on Twitter, yeah. apparently it does. You're not libertarian anymore. Cause <laughs> yeah, you know. it's like, right. And, and, and the fact that, you utter one thing against, you know, the, the, especially the, I think the, the left culture or the, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the government corporate sponsored culture pushing stuff. Like, you say one thing against it and you're, you're labeled some kind of like hard right wing or whatever. And it's bigot. like, no, no, no. It's the, called bigot. Yeah. 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 It, you're, and as soon as you understand that accusations of racism, sexism, whatever, you know, it's not genuine. It's not coming from people who really, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a political tool to silence dissidents. It, it, it's meant to intimidate you into some kind of social, you know, quandary where you, you, you're worried about labels. And as soon as people recognize this, I think they'll see how inauthentic, not only these supposed like movements are, they're trying to push on us, yeah. but also the supposed outrage and anyone who would question it, like how it's really just a political tool. And, you know, whether it's the cultural Marxist stuff or whatever you want to get into with that, like that has long been a tool of, of people who have political power agendas is to just weaponize people against each other with this stuff and to try and, um, yeah, use that as a, uh, as a tool. So I'm all for fighting in the culture to, uh, yeah. push our libertarian culture. Right. And to get, um, to, <laughs> But particularly, man, I, I'll be honest, like, I think the, yeah, the trans stuff, all that, it's, 
Especially someone when someone reads my book. Yeah, dude. Someone I was about to say you you actually have a trans character in your book, right? Here, As a here's hero, the irony, right? a part of the hero right. team, right? And yeah, why are you such yeah. a bigot at the same time? How do you do these <laughs> things? How do you write a trans yeah. hero character and then still be such a, such a right wing yeah. extremist bigot? What are you based mm-hmm. or something? Stop that! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's the best part of that, right? I, as I saw the trans stuff becoming more pushed by right the media, the corporate, the the, the government, all that stuff. Um, it, it's like I I had this vision in my head, and and because I I've long had empathy for and a curiosity about what that's like for people who are in that state where they are questioning their gender on that, right? Because you're an artist. Yeah. You're an yeah, artist. I'm an artist, and all artists are just a little bit gay. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and autistic. No, um, you have to think a yeah, little bit gay yeah. and autistic. We, we got some kind of tism. Yeah. We're weird we got and curious. Tons of yeah, no, uh... <laughs> we got some tisms, for sure. Yeah. So that's perfect. Yeah, we're, we're curious about you. We're like, well, what would that be like? Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem, especially being a writer. Um, Especially being a writer. You're, you're constantly putting, and I hear... I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be, this is a terrible thing to bring up, but Jordan Peterson talks about this all the time of, of creative people being, I don't think the word, I know the, the cultural uh, left thing to say is neurodivergent, but really creative Mm -hmm. people have multiple different, because they're constantly putting themselves in other people's shoes. Because when you want to write a good character, you, you, you would need to take and separate yourself and then put yourself into a different scenario, which is not not a lot of people are able to do that unless they're led there by maybe a book or a movie or a video game. Then they're like, Oh, I would have never thought about this. And this is why it's intriguing to me, but it's, it's up to the artist to actually do that for themselves. It's not as if I'm being led by something I'm, I'm going, okay, what would it be like if I was thinking like this person? Exactly. And that's like we said before, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a good writer is like a good psychologist or, or, a um or we're talking about like almost like running characters as like little programs yeah where we're talking about that like like we're 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 just we're playing with hypotheticals and what ifs all day that's what we do and so yeah and and even then like people know so they read my books i especially royal green other stuff like um the 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 heroes are supposed to be relatable but so are the villains like you to make a good villain they have to be convincing that someone could decide to be that way yeah and why they would be that way and and where they went wrong and why so that you know, and also because I believe in you know ideas about redemption and things like that. But just that to have can, to to understand your to defeat your enemy, you have to understand your enemy. Exactly. And I think in the case of my story, you know, I'd all, I'd long had, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm able to write from male and female perspectives with my characters. This male and female protagonist no, in my other books. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I put on a wig when I write, and That's I just right. you know get the heels. Um, and and uh, um. You and, drag it while you run. <laughs> I could see you typing, putting lipstick on. I got to change character. Yeah. Wait to get to, to WVW two and three, man. This is fun. No, there. I know it's going yeah. off the rails. I could already see where you read, and, and I was like, I'm, the first I'm one was it. like the the the, the pilot test, like like tame. testing the waters, and then it's like, all right, I'm going in. Uh, but no, uh, you know, I I had this vision in my head of this character, this this trans woman, and her struggle. And I think anyone who reads it will see, and, and it kind of, it gets more into that in the other ones too, but um, that I could empathize with and relate to this person and why they decided to become the way they were. And yet this is a character who's super based and hates all the trans agenda pushing stuff. And is like totally like 
not on team, you know, uh, you know, woke trans incorporated or whatever. You wrote Blair White into a novel. That's fine. It's, it's, yeah. Exactly. Here's the best yeah. part, man. I wrote this character, had no idea who Blair White oh, was. For right? real? Okay. I, yeah. I didn't even know because again, this is kind of like pre-Twitter, right when I was just getting on Twitter. And I, I remember thinking, like, are there any like this out there? I was like, are there, are there like? I was thinking, like, what's my audience? Like? Yeah, I was like, I was like, how narrow is my audience going to be? That it's like, I'm, I'm. I'm writing a character that will, that specifically based uh, red pilled trans women would really get or relate to maybe, yeah. and I was like, I don't even know how many of them are out there. I just, I just wrote <laughs> I was like this one, characters in my way. head. Just one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I found quite a few. I've I've been surprised because Blair White's the, the, the yeah. It's just Blair, Blair White White's with the... multiple Twitter accounts. I don't know if you know it's, that. Yeah, it's, it's just, just burners. Accounts, yeah, she's yeah. got burners competing um, with AOC. Like they both yeah. have multiple burners. They're <laughs> trying to fight. They're with. all me. I'm just ghostwriting all of them. Yeah. It's just you. The I'm trying time. to perpetuate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I I wrote this character, and then I get on Twitter. I found out. Oh shit! Not only is there someone like Blair White and others who are exactly like this in their thinking, or at least very similar. Um, but there's tons of like I, I'm following probably like ten or twelve accounts right now that are that are specifically trans women who are right. They're they're in liberty spheres. They're libertarian. They are they are really annoyed by being, and this is true of any of the supposed minority groups and things that the left thinks they represent or stand for. That like there's just always so many people in these categories that hate being labeled that way. Hate being thought of as a monolithic voting block or as some kind of community that like anyone can one of them can speak for them yeah. and and as you see yeah it's like no people are unique and interesting and different that's what brought me libertarianism like individuals are very unique and they have they have a lot more to think and say than what you can kind of broad brush as so <coughs> so here i have this 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 base tranny who's uh who's slaying <laughs> monsters and and i i'm like <laughs> relieved to, to find out that even though that that seemed true to me to write in the story and where it was going with what it was trying to do um that that was also a real thing out there that that that, that, that i wasn't alone in thing. thinking that way yeah that i was like oh yeah okay cool this is actually a thing and i hope that would be relatable to to people who felt very similarly so um, well i mean it's, it's probably the, it's probably relatable to a few people out there um and i think Here's here's why I think people shun artists, uh, people who paint, people who write, people who sculpt, people who are storytellers in whatever medium they do. This is why I think they shun them. It's because they always think that power is in a collective. Especially, I mean, if we're going to be honest, if if I was to, even as a libertarian, and and I think I come from a right wing background, but but I've been in artist world for so long that all my friends who were artists were either punk rock or on the left or you know democratic socialists and i had conversations mm -hmm. but everything always felt if it wasn't a part of a, a movement then it doesn't mean anything and and as as a, a personal artist i was like what do you what do you mean i always thought that you know i i saw one piece of art or i read one book and it changed so much i'm like this is one one person does more than than a collective you don't always have to speak to the masses. You can speak to one, and that one, if you focus in on that one, you might actually connect with more people than you would if, and this is why I go to when it comes to the culture war, and this is why I think with like the whole Bud Light thing that, that got brought up, and it's just, 
I mean, I, even as a libertarian, I'll, I'll put my I'll put all my my chips on the table and say that I'm very much conservative than than a left winger um, on a few different routes because obviously my religious background and, and the way I believe. But one of the things that what puts me into the probably extremist road, probably why my FBI agents listening right now, um, <laughs> yeah. is because I don't believe in the power aspect coming from like I have to convince all these people. And it goes back to the idea, like I'm not, I'm not trying to make sure. And this is why I don't like it. It's because if you, if you're an if you don't follow this line exactly, then you're not a part of the group. You might just be a bigot. And it was the same thing as like that, that Scott Adams guy who was like wrote for Dilbert. I listened. So the whole, uh, not to get, I'm trying not to go on tangents, but, but every time someone gets kicked out of the left. And they were so for it, right? And then they 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 slip up one time. They, they banana peel it one time, and then they're booted. Now they're right wing yep. extremists, even though they're far left. I mean, Jimmy Dore, right? Jimmy Dore right. himself. Right. I love Jimmy Dore because the guy's like, I want Medicare for all, and and you know, like I want everyone to. I don't want any homeless anymore. We should give money out, and because he's just like that Matt Taibbi yeah. guy's breaking down Twitter files. That's probably good, and they're like right-wing extremist you're on a yeah. you're on a no-fly list now jimmy and you're like dude and that's that's my thing about artists that I, I think they don't think like that and it's the same way as like i uh you you writing you're not a trans woman but but you wrote not you yet wrote right one. i mean <laughs> um as soon as the left dude as soon as the left finds out that that trans woman was written by a straight white male canceled you're done dude you're canceled you're canceled um but that's that's kind of my point is is I don't see how artists function on the left, uh, and I understand why they didn't function on the right because we have strict rules. You know, if it's not biblical, then get out of here. Which I still right. they have their own version of that in some exactly, yeah. which still right. blows my right. mind because literally C.S. Lewis wrote as a demon. Um, right. <laughs> let's let's right. step back for a minute uh, and think mm -hmm. about that one. Um, as far as an artist goes, how do you write something that was so absurd as, as I'm writing in the narrative as a demon writing to his uncle demon, um, about <laughs> trying to deceive someone. And so regardless, but I, yeah. I, I think, I think the libertarian and right, we can kind of start to collectivize those into one because they're just so individualistic. Um, they don't work as a collective. And so you can, you can do things like I'm, I'm thinking about writing this short story about this kid who's native american and i was like i might do this just because i'm super white and so i might just write just this on short, purpose to just trigger on people i'm gonna write this as a native american <laughs> just to just to throw a wrench in this whole thing i think i can do this um i actually am like a 16th native american but i don't want to tell anybody that because then that might give me a pass in some <laughs> weird cult that's just your ace up the sleeve ready for yeah, when yeah, they yeah, yeah. try to cancel you're like i'm boom <laughs> i'm more uh native american than rachel dolezal and she was like running native american uh committees so it's fine um yeah but I thought about this, and and I've I've sat on this for so long because I've been doing the podcast for so long, and I've been making art, and and I um I was just thinking about like I I think because we know me and you we we know that because politics is down downstream from culture, I think the personally, and I'm going to say this uh, just as like a side right right, and we can we can start laying the plane now. I think the libertarian movement is built off the backs of people who start thinking like this. That we might not need to knock on the door and be like, have you have you heard about the Mises? 
Have you heard? Have you read these? Have you read Thomas Sowell? Have you read Rules for right. Radicals? Have you read these yeah. books? And instead of being like, yeah. how about, how about leave we that just... for us autists who exactly. are, who are, who let, are getting deal let the mathematicians the math, you yeah. know, like, yeah, but there's a, there's a whole sect of people out there that I run into all the time. One of my friends, he's an anarchist and, uh, and I talk to him all the time. He was never into libertarian. He just, he thinks like this cause he's, he loves Jesus and he reads his Bible. And I'm like, there's a whole, there's a whole party out there that's trying to pull you in, dude. Um, and they have no idea how because they're just trying to get you to yes. read a book. And so, like, right, right. If, you, <laughs> yeah. if they would just make art and be like, "Look, we're just not collectivists. We, we, I'm, I'm all for having empathy for other people and being non-aggressive. But I'm all for having principles too. And, dude, and, and just, I know right. this is going to sound super absurd, but if you, th- if you think differently than me and we disagree, then let's talk about it. Oh my God, that's so weird. Um. And that's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, that's it's what makes strange. libertarian. You're like, I'm going to have my own set of ethics exactly. and morals. You're going to have your own. Yeah. We're, you know, we're going to raise our children where we want. We're just not going to force our way on each other. I mean, that's always been the, the angle. And the fact that, as we see, that there are some who just cannot let go of the idea of their neighbor being different when all all yeah. we're always asking is just don't don't tread on me don't that's fucking it. tread on me Stop i'm gonna bite me. your fucking ankle yeah. and i'm gonna i'm gonna inject it with poison yeah <laughs> it's um yeah. yeah and um no and, and you know and one thing too I, I won't give too much away but i will say that even in our strive for liberty and our our political goals that have as artists right you know we're, we're creative uh thinkers and kind of individually minded and that's probably part of what drew us into this i think so this libertarian movement but um even in that i explore the idea in wbw the dangers too of our own thing and what we're doing like what do you think the ways is? in which i mean like the ways in which spoilers yeah like um just just a reminder of how much too that even in our strive for liberty the 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 ways in which that can be turned like the ways in which if we if we yeah how do i say it like <laughs> you you'll see but just yeah, let's just okay. say I, I don't hold back any punches for fellow libertarians too who write the, the dangers of becoming the thing we hate or are trying to stop you know and that like oh, dude um but you have that to think humbling that's, reminder that's, of like yeah but that's every great narrative right it's Frodo yeah. in Mordor, yeah. like ready to toss yeah. the ring. How how often yeah. do we, as even even as politically libertarian, do we do we find ourselves being like, well, but I kind of do want the police to show up on this thing, you know? <laughs> like I kind of do want the CIA, <laughs> yeah. and I yeah. I get caught yeah. because, and this is a well, longer no. <laughs> conversation for uh, another libertarian guest that. That sure. I want to talk politics with. I want I want to get one libertarian on here that I can just ask some serious questions about. Yeah, yeah. I actually want to get um a, a more of a left wing libertarian on here because I've got some questions on even the idea of of freedom and responsibility. I'm a bit of uh, because I'm a conservatarian or whatever. I do think I I think the whole constitution and freedom thing kind of lines up with like a strong morality and and and. Uh, a sense of at least some form of cohesive truth that we agree on. Like, and this is the one thing that I always butt up against. Like, this is not a, this is not a libertarian argument. This is more of a Christian atheist thing. And I always ask them like, well, how do you feel about morality? Do you think it's transcendent? Do you think it's off in the ether? Do you think it's something that's just 
socially cohesive you know like how do we know what's right and wrong is it because it's it's if if it's mm-hmm. wrong it's bad for a social construct like us as a group or is it wrong because it's just it's just bad and uh and and i run into that thing with libertarians as well and i think this were and not to go into the weeds real quick because we're we're coming towards the end but um the abortion thing i know that's a big libertarian it's like well mm-hmm. the government shouldn't be involved and and then I'm like, well, what's the non-aggression principle I, on that? I'm a pro-life libertarian now. Yeah, I'm like, how does this work, dude? We would just contradict, yeah. walking contradictions that were pro-life libertarians. But I think about that, and uh, and you know, like drag shows for kids at libraries. I'm like, well, that's kids can't consent, uh, dude. I literally talked to a guy on Clubhouse yeah. who was like, we're libertarians, um, and children have all the rights that you have and i was like that's not right <laughs> i was like yeah, that's no. <laughs> you sound like a pedo yeah. um but yeah, yeah. Just... it's like the, yeah exactly there's very important nuanced discussions we had about what's okay societally what's okay from a legal libertarian perspective yeah. it's like there's really good conversations to have and yet yeah it's so it's so um yeah it, people mistake being libertarian for being like well, anything goes. And it's like, that's not quite what it's, it's, not. It, it's applying the non-aggression principle. And right. Especially when it comes to children, like that, that's where you, you can kind of see like, yeah, no, they, <laughs> children are being aggressed upon with their gender and surgeries and all this stuff. Like this is not the same thing as informed adult consent with this stuff. And yeah, I think this, it's good that we have libertarians arguing <sighs> that conservative libertarians who are like, Hey, th- this is not a, a, a hands-free kind of thing but that's a whole nother subject but i think i think i'm gonna be honest i think conservative libertarians are the only ones keeping the other libertarians from spinning off into freaking oblivion seriously Um, seriously i I, i'm like i i feel less and less common ground with any of the like lefty leaning people because even though i'm writing stories about you know trannies and fags you know like you know yeah fucking blowing each other whatever at the same time i'm trying to tell a, a, a meaningful <laughs> story it's like it's like I, i'm clearly writing stuff that would offend the average conservative and yet i i can bet that most of like especially in the libertarian world people who have personally conservative views can understand how to read and enjoy something even if it's got something that offends them because they they're not especially if they're libertarians they're not gonna try and you know like shut me down for for you know whereas the the um yeah, the the left leaning ones, they're like, if you don't do this thing, you're phobic, you're whatever, you know. And so, yeah, there's. I'm having. There's, a, I mean, this is a again, this is a longer conversation, but I'm I'm starting yeah. to because I'm on Twitter <laughs> and I'm and I have not been involved in like libertarian Twitter very much at all. Like I I I dip my toe in and then I step further back and I go, well, this is might not be a place for me because I I'm not super intelligent. Like I'm over here painting Spider Man. Um, I'm not for this, but. But Tell dude, it to me, man. But there's a lot, dude, that I sit back and go, there is a, regardless of what, you don't need, I think this is where I, I, this is why my libertarian conservative thing comes in. It, I don't think it should be against, say you see a, a child, this is, dude, it comes down to the subway thing. So there's this, and I keep bringing well, this wait, up. It, if I may, by the way, sorry to oh, go ahead. interject. Go, no, just no, no, cause, no. Go ahead. Well, and to give you a lifeline in case you didn't want to go too far down there. But I just, th- that it was something I realized, because what you asked me earlier about, like, when I said, uh, I realized a better way to phrase what I was trying to say earlier about, um, like, libertarians, like, resisting the temptation to become, it's also that sense that the political battle is really a surface battle 
yeah in what is actually a spiritual war oh that like everything we're doing like and i think you'll see this theme pick up in in the books it's read like oh okay it's actually a lot more spiritual than it is political even though it's it's also right the politics ties together the ethics the framework of societal rules and laws and how that should work but like that yeah it's like there there's there's more going on here than than just oh does it violate the nap or not like yeah. There's there's like a war for the soul of humanity going on. And I think that includes all these like hot button culture issues. And I think, yeah, there, there's there's bigger things going on than, than just our libertarian worldview, even though our our worldview in this battle includes the political sphere in that sense of like, you know, don't tread on me. Yeah. But also, yeah, I, I think there is like a, a war for the soul of humanity going on that has has as much to do with those deeper, you know, spiritual questions, you know, and that that. Yeah. There's some people who miss that, I think, because they're so focused on the, you know, well, does this violate this and that? And it's like, but there's a human thing going on here that goes even above that, that that we're talking about, you know, like, like, I think when you're seeing children being butchered and this other stuff going on, you're like, like the demon thing, right? Like, like, (laughs) this is writing about demons is like, there's demons, there's stuff going down that's like way bigger than, than, you know, this politician's ripping me off, like, you know call it lizard people call it whatever there's there's more going on right i i think i think actually what you what you just said i think that actually um nails it down pretty solidly um and this is a thing this is a thing i run into i used to i mean i still do but um because i'm a christian and i studied theology and apologetics i was always interested in atheism was an atheist for a little bit and and tried to try those arguments out they didn't work out well but when it Mm -hmm. came to the moral thing that, that ethereal concept of well, is, is morality a, a social construct that tribes work to make sure we succeed evolutionary or is there something actually transcendent in in there is right and wrong and one of the big questions i always ask atheists which i could probably ask libertarians the same thing is it better to feed a homeless man or kick a baby well the answer is obvious well why is the answer obvious do we know the the details and and what makes it right and what makes it wrong what's well, better you know, to feed a homeless man, they kick, obviously, because if you kick a baby, it's like, well, no, that's not the question I asked. We're not talking about what it produces. We're just talking about basic standards. Is it better to feed a homeless man than to kick a baby? No one thinks about it. Even in that question itself, you're, it's the same, your, your peer view doesn't actually think about feeding a homeless man. The thing that sparks you is the idea of kicking a baby because you know, it's so, it, it's so atrocious that you don't even think about handing a sandwich to a homeless man. Your only thought is going to the idea of someone kicking a baby. And this is where the whole non-aggression principle when it comes to like abortion with libertarians are like, we don't want the government involving for sure. Um, We don't want to tread on anybody, but in New York, I watched a video of a guy raping a woman on a subway and people yeah. with with the nap non-aggression principle videoed it and oh well and to clarify the non-aggression principle is saying you should never initiate force it's saying by all means use force to stop people who are initiating force I think so people are yeah, losing murderers that. thieves rapists yeah no and here's here you know i'm I with think you people like, are, are this, losing that too but that's a con- this, you this would be right wing passivism oh my god you're not a pacifist right, no. you're right wing you're right wing right, extremist the, you're probably based so, or something like that anyone who's committing murder theft rape is violent they're initiating aggression against another person therefore the victim 
and anyone else watching has every moral right to intervene and use force but to stop it. Like that's the whole stick. And, Jack, and yet that's, that's there's people who will thing, not even do that. <laughs> that's yeah. because, because they don't know what morals are. They don't, they yeah. don't believe in morals. They believe morals are, are sociologically constructed. They don't believe that there's something actually right. wrong about it. They think it's wrong if it's, if it's the government's intrinsic on it. They, they're, all right, so dude, I'm gonna say yeah. this, and we're gonna end the podcast before I lose all my libertarian friends. Um, <laughs> most libertarians believe morals start and stop with the government intrinsing on them or not. But beyond that, it's almost as if morals don't exist. You know, do kids have consent? Well, they have human rights. I'm like, do you know that morals are are ethereal? It's not if you if you went straight anarchy, like the government doesn't exist, people are still gonna be like, it's bad to kick babies. And you should, right, right. and if you do, There's I'm going to kill people you. Who will... It's like no one's, no one. The government's not coming in, going like, if we say kicking babies is bad, then, then it's bad. Like, right. You no, know, we know right. what is right and wrong. We transcend. And that's part of the that. pitch of libertarianism that's is because there's people who think that we, without the government, no one would ever have morals yeah. or stop aggression. Yeah, and exactly. our whole argument has to be like, no, no, no. Human beings can. It can stop aggression and do the Easily. things that we've been told government's supposed to do, but right, but we can do it better. And because, right, because we do have morals, we do have standards, and that, and that well, part of having those morals and standards. We have a stake versus the government. The government could care right. less. Right. We actually have right. a stake. It's our community, it's our people. This is the same right. thing. We got we to gotta look out for each other, our own, our kids. Like, yeah, and, and therefore, good on the parents saying, yeah. fuck you for fucking with my kids. Like, like we need people exactly. who are, right, going to take that human action and go, I'm going to do the thing that the government can't do or isn't doing well enough. And right, stop the aggressors, stop the murders, the thieves, the the people, you know, the pedos coming after my kids. Exactly. And then right, and and then leave everyone else alone who isn't aggressing, right? Because like, well then fine, you're just smoking weed. I don't give a fuck over dude, there, right? Dude, <laughs> you're you, smoking. You, uh, just don't come after my kids, right? <laughs> literally it, yeah, dude. If you and I've I've been um I actually have been to a drag show at a bar one one night we actually moved to a, a city we were playing at church and we were a buddy was like come come see what this city's about we went to a drag show dude be drag all you want do it in front of someone's kids i'm violating the yeah. nap and i'm punching you in the face it's just it that's right. the least of your worries me punching right. you should be the least yeah. that's the least i can do was punch you in the face if you do it in front of kids and so um yeah. i'm not a good libertarian because um I'm gonna I, I'd say save you are. You. I'd say, I'd say I'm gonna to s- me, like, <laughs> I'm gonna I, save I you from the, of... the uh, hardcore libertarians. <laughs> I'm gonna save you from them, and I'm gonna save my kids from you too. Uh, and well, so I'm, I'm with you. I feel like it. there's a war over defining what being a libertarian means right. right now. And for some people, you're right. They they kind of they think it means having no moral judgments outside. And of I can't believe that violations. And and I'm like, no. The, of course, everyone has their moral standards. And yeah. I think children being uh, non-consensually, you know, uh, because they're children, they can't consent to things like that. It's like, yeah, yeah th- that's a vi- that's the 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 creep violating the nap on your children. Therefore, exactly. it's a you know, you have every right to intervene, right? And so, yeah, th- this this lot of really good like, I kind of like that, especially with the more recent era of the libertarian party takeovers and things going on. I agree. There's a different there's a different kind of libertarian that's 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 reestablishing uh you know that that definition to yeah hey this isn't i i think in the past the libertarian um there were libertarian gatekeepers who wanted to keep it very kind of left 
leaning and and yeah. they saw any kind of conservative religious people as like oh you can't be in this club with us because oops your views are bigoted or whatever yeah and as it turns yeah. out no 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 it's like the best libertarians i think sometimes are the ones who have those set of some standards outside of the nap too because they're the ones who without a government around would maintain society they're the yeah. people who would have the churches and the homeless shelters and the the things that would do privately what we've all been arguing the government can't do as well right yeah. so it's like we need those people who have those standards those, those those ethics those those things that are like yeah i'm gonna protect kids you know yeah. and if and and yeah and, and if you know yeah i'm, I'm with it's, you man i think there's a new era of libertarian that means yeah it doesn't mean we have to be silent on social and moral issues just because we have a this view about what government's role might be in certain cases right it's like that's a whole separate thing yeah, i think <laughs> yeah. i think i think the the new libertarian is starting to turn out to be somebody who who's accountable responsible basically just somebody from the 1700s who was like kind of just believe in freedom but have a moral compass at the same time right um and that's and i go back to yeah. the idea and this is something i think i heard from michael malice and I, i've never been an anarchist by any means until i started talking to anarchists and the one thing i think i heard him say was like everyone when they think anarchy they think like dumpster fire and streets burning down it's like right what about Chaos. the best yeah. part of anarchy what about the good in people who who didn't yeah. need the government to tell them or keep them from being yes. bad? What about what about the initial in the the idea that anarchy would only lead to chaos? Just tells me that you think the the every aspect of uh, individual humans are evil, and there's some good in people who are going to do the right thing if they didn't have the. And this is the thing I I call. Uh, I can't even pronounce his last name. He was on the podcast and I was just talking about like how the government's ruined thing. So I, was like, I brought up the subway thing. I was like, you know, if the government was around, the police weren't around, people wouldn't videotape thefts and rapes and beating people up in the street. They would stop it. But because yeah. they're waiting on the police, of course, what right. are they going to do? They've they're been trained videotape. to... Yeah, we why, were made why would they made impotent by expectation. Because yeah. the government, if anything, you'll get arrested for stepping in exactly. these things, right? And that was my <laughs> You're point. Trying to stop it. <laughs> that was my yeah. point. Is like the government's literally ruined every personal responsibility of a, of holding a, a community cohesively yeah. together. Um, yep. Because it's the government's job. It's not mine. I'm here to gain yeah. followers on TikTok. And so families, communities, churches. Yeah, dude. We society used to know how to take care of bad actors and problems, exactly. and they had all these other ways of doing it and taking care of yeah. And we've replaced that with government, and it's this sort of man-made yeah. god and all that. And we used to, I will we say used this to too. solve these problems with tar and feathering. I don't know why. <laughs> right, <we stopped laughs> right. We used to yeah, we used to know what to do with the tax man. Come on, exactly. We didn't need to wait for some law. We just 3%? were like, let's go. Are you kidding me? Bring 3%? in the boys. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, Jack. But, dude, um, it, but, oh, go ahead, go ahead, dude. Oh, go I was ahead. just one final thought too. Is yeah, that I love the thought that. If people believe humans are inherently good, then right, then they shouldn't need a government. If people yeah. think humans are inherently evil, then they shouldn't have a government with which to be evil with. Yeah, because either way, we the win. People running either the way. government are inherently evil. It, exactly. So, yeah, so, so, so whether you believe humans are more good or more evil, either way, the solution is let's not have this powerful yeah. monster system structure that can be so easily hijacked by the worst people. And, and yeah, let's trust people again to. Go, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go punch that creep in the face for fucking with my kids. 
<laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is I can make I can make a better judgment call and deal with my neighbor than I can with the government. And it yeah. always comes down to that. If it's my neighborhood versus your neighborhood, we can make a deal yeah. better than I can with the government. And the yes. government's always going to be somebody that you can't contend with. I mean, you can when they push to come to the shelf, but if it if the government wasn't involved and it was it was me and you, Jack, we would have a great conversation, even if we vehemently disagreed. We would have oh, a yeah. better conversation than me and the government or you and the government because right, even the right and the left, I feel like I have the right and left would, so psycho would be, about it because the, the, the government. Is is the yeah. split between the two? They they would have a better com. Hey, the right would be right. like, look, you're killing babies when you have an abortion. They're like, well, I'm tired of getting raped. And the right would be like, you know, we'll solve every time someone rapes one of yours, we'll just slaughter them. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, that solves that problem too. It's like, well, maybe <laughs> we can hey, come together. Or, right, or hey, we'll adopt your baby. Like, don't oh, kill it. That right. might be like, another like, thing. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like there's so many things that the right and left probably right could could at least in some extent at least live, live on but you're right the government is like this loaded gun on the table that they're grappling <laughs> over because they're both afraid the other one's gonna fire it and, and dude that's yeah, genius it's it's, it's uh sh- not schrodinger's i almost said schrodinger's cat but the gun the gun on the mantle it's the government yeah. is literally the gun on the table being like make sure you guys behave yeah and they're like the tension goes over. up if you were to <laughs> remove like, the government oh. you take the gun off the table and then they're just talking they're going like yeah. hey uh i'm i'm all for these rights and you're like well i'm all for these rights but you got some weird views well i got some weird views well how do right. my views help your views how do your views help my i uh, maybe maybe we shouldn't you know you know spit on yeah and most people, people don't want to like, well, go maybe, to war yeah. over it like <laughs> like they might have their opinions they might socially shun and boycott well, they might do other means but most people aren't willing to kill each other over most issues it's just their fear that they're going to be killed that they're willing to that's, kill each other over issues literally that's it but jack i hate that's to it. I hate to break okay. this. Okay, yeah, no, we got we got to wrap it up. <laughs> we got to wrap it up, but I I do want to end it on this. I hate to tell you, if the government was removed yeah. and it was just Republican people and Democrats sitting across the table, both of them would agree to send Ukraine a ton of money because that's unanimous. <laughs> Freaking unanimous. At least they wouldn't get a dime from us. <laughs> You'd be like, you know what? I'm still, I'm still just I'm, just as a cliffhanger. Um, I might do a separate pot. I'm still lost on the you know the whole gun control thing that's been in the news lately. I'm still lost on the idea of like we need gun control, but send them some guns. I'm like, right? Oh, I know. I, know. I still we didn't. The one topic I wanted to talk to you about was um, the simulation theory and the idea that the writers for this season 2023 are are so campy. <laughs> That it's it's uh, crazy that they went this campy with it, and uh, it's, it's it's like, well, just to tie it back to the conversation beginning, in writing WVW, I was trying to do satire and exaggerate things slightly <laughs> to make it funnier. And dude, Nailed every it. month I'm like, this is getting more ridiculous than it's my getting... satire. I can't keep up. <laughs> All right, so Jack, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to speed you up on the schedule. We need to have an entire yeah. podcast about like. I, I want to name it stranger than fiction. The world mm-hmm. we live in now, you couldn't write, dude. And if you did write it, it'd be a crappy novel. Like it would be so bad because it's so <laughs> played out. Like it's so played. Anyway, um, it, tell everybody uh, where they can find your book and all that stuff. Um, yes. Speaking of, listen, don't listen to the government status propaganda. Exactly. Don't read their crappy novels. Read my crappy novels, I okay? I, I, <laughs> read your crappy novels. Yeah. If you're going to do it, yeah, at least support an indie artist. Um, I agree. Yes. Uh, uh, JackCaseyBooks.com is my website. Uh, mm-hmm. You can get them there, but you can find them on Amazon too. If you search the Royal Green, 
or WVW, they'll pop up in the book section. Um, yeah, uh, the Royal Green series, a labor of love of like 10 years and um, a, lot of, a lot of deep, cool stuff and fun stuff in there. WVW is is the uh, the quick and dirty, fun, uh, yeah. you know, more recent stuff I've done. And I have plans for more in both. Um, good, good. So if, if anyone likes what I'm doing with either of those, show me some support, let me know. There, there's more coming and there's also other series and genres and things i want to do too so it, anything you buy is an investment in me as an author to have endless entertainment in your future as the world burns uh exactly. we will you will have books around the uh the revolutionary campfire to entertain yourselves with that's right <laughs> while we that's fight right. the robot overlords with uh with alex jones so <laughs> <In> the <gulag. laughs> um, yeah <laughs> exactly all right well thanks man thanks for coming on the podcast appreciate it thank you man thank you for having me this has been a blast yep always all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. If you want to follow me, you can go to Pardonwell Art on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow the podcast on Pardonwell Podcast on Instagram. I'm thinking about making a Facebook page because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Um, but other than that, on YouTube Rumble, which is probably what you're watching it on now, um, like and subscribe. I know that's a big thing the the TikTokers always say. Uh, but it helps me in the algorithms. And if you like, well, this this is always a fun podcast. I'd like for him to keep doing it. Um, like and subscribe. It helps me make me feel better about myself. Um, and also go check out Jack Casey's books. Um, I have them. I didn't bring them up. I should have actually had the physical copies. Um, love his books. Love his writing. I always like to promote artists on this podcast instead of just having people who want to talk about culture. I think, honestly, I think art actually moves the world forward. Um I really believe in in that concept. So every time I talk about culture, where we're moving as a society, um, I think the artists are the ones leading the way. And so I think it's important for everyone to support them because it's it's not easy being an artist uh, and, and trying to do what you do um, and, and kind of explore the realms of, of thought and, and movement and still actually stay afloat and stay alive. It's, it's, a, real, it's, it's a real difficult thing. Um, but not me. I'm I'm doing great. You don't have to give to me at all. Don't go to my Etsy, uh, pardonwill.etsy.com, and buy any art. I don't need you to buy any art. Don't do that. Pardonwill at etsy.com. Uh, don't do any of that. Uh, but anyway, thanks for tuning in uh, to the Pardonwill podcast, and uh, I will see you guys next time. Bye.